What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Week 6 DFS MVP Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 4from4.com. As always, with my trusty co-host, Mr. John Daigle, Mr. Pat Corrine. Gentlemen, uh, we've reached the uh, one-third point of the season. How are we feeling? There are... Mess out there. There are six teams on bye next week. That's how I'm feeling. I'm already excited about next Sunday. Uh, This week, though, is a little bit of a mess. I would say it's another week where I think we underplayed the game time decisions because Mm -hmm. he was not in like the winning mid and high stakes lineups. But I feel like last week, given the lack of value at running back, that Jaleel McLaughlin, who scored 17 and a half fantasy points and was an afternoon decision, could have helped people immensely. And so it feels like that kind of Mm -hmm. week where there aren't many important decisions in the afternoon. But we still need to hang on to like placeholder lineups here and get ready yeah. for some swaps that will happen on Saturday evening, Sunday morning, because that's what the kind of slate it is now. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty funky slate. Um, we do got some some weather as well. Um, oh, yeah. no, no super high totals. There's there's two around 47 and a half to 48 and a half, depending on the book you're looking at. Um, but, uh, there's also big spreads on those games. Uh, so we will definitely get into all of those as we do every week. Uh, also, as we've discussed every week, Karain comes through with the walkthrough every Friday morning. We reference it plenty on the podcast. It's one of our guiding lights here to get through these games. Uh, Karain, any big highlights that you want to touch on before we get to the game by game breakdowns? Yeah, I said just before we went live that, Anytime I've got someone from the four o'clock window as the cover boy, I probably don't love the slate because yeah. I try hard to have the cover boy be from a one o'clock game. Then I just make that the first game I talk about if there's not a London yeah. game. Um, this week it is Josh Jacobs who plays at four oh five. So yeah. it just it felt to me like, man, it was like TJ Hawkinson was one of the guys where I, where I wrote up and was like, oh. This is fun. Like he like, but it's like it's a tight end and a four o'clock running back are kind of jumping out to me. It just it's it's definitely gonna be kind of a difficult slate to find scoring. But I you know, I think that could be an advantage um uh, if you're playing kind of correlated lineups and and um you know, kind of pulling some of those levers, playing a little more contrarian maybe could be could be good this week. So gross doesn't necessarily mean bad, but that was probably the thing that jumped out at didn't have one of these games where I was like, Ooh, this is going to, this is a really fun one, you know? Yeah. Anecdotally, it feels like the lower scoring weeks are, are when the sharps typically do better. I, I would hope we fall into that category of the sharps. Um, yeah. In addition to, to weather and, and relatively low scoring uh, totals, I mean, obviously injury carnage starting last mm-hmm. week, leading up to um, inactives that we're getting already today, which is, it's always nice to get inactives on Friday. It does let us uh, parse through things a little bit easier instead of waiting until Sunday morning. But uh, things like ownership will be very difficult to decipher this week. Um, before we get into it, um, reminder, in addition to signing up for Legendary Upside Walkthrough, if you haven't signed up for the 4 for 4 dfs subscription yet that promo code youtube still gets you 25 percent off at 44.com slash plans and also 
also, once you get subscribed to 4 for 4, make sure you're upgrading your subscription to get access to the solver, the best optimizer in the game. Links to all of those signups are in the YouTube description. Uh, but let's jump right into it. As I mentioned, um, potential shootouts are actually the games with slightly lower totals this week, at least as far as uh, the way we have them categorized, because those big totals are also big spreads as well. Uh, so the first game that we'll look at, Bengals first Seahawks with a 45 point total. Uh, this is a game that is expected to have some rain and wind. All of those games kind of around that Great Lake area looking like around 20 mile per hour winds with um, with rain. Sunday morning, we will be using Daigle for our weather reference. Um, so be ready for that, Daigle. But uh, let's get into the Bengals side of things, Karain. Um, last week we saw... The Bengals have a breakout game against the Cardinals. Uh, obviously, Jamar Chase just goes absolutely nuclear. And this week, they get a Seahawks defense that ranks 26 in schedule just fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. And it looks like the Bengals will be getting T. Higgins back. So is this an obvious spot where they keep things rolling? Or um, could things like Seattle pass rush maybe uh, slow things down a little bit more than we expect, especially with the wind and the rain? Yeah, you know, keep in mind that I didn't play Jamar Chase last week. So, you know, maybe I'm just completely off on, on the Bengals here. But I did, when I looked at this matchup, I was like, I mean, certainly you see now that, that Burroughs come alive. Um, and he did look pretty good in the advanced numbers last week. He, he didn't have like an insanely good week by like EPA per play or success rate or anything. But it was, it was good. And he had been bad this year. So that was awesome to see. And then obviously Chase just goes nuts. But when you look at this matchup, the Seahawks are fourth in pass rush win rate. Uh, they're fifth in pass rush grade uh, from PFF. They're getting quick pressure at the eighth highest rate. So they are going to pose more of a problem for Burrow than the Cardinals did. You know, that pass rush could disrupt things a lot more this week. And the Bengals, they're 29th in pass block win rate. Um, they haven't allowed quick pressure to super high rate, but that pass block win rate uses the player tracking data. Um, to track wins within 2.5 seconds. And it's done a pretty good job this year of kind of identifying spots where maybe teams haven't let up a ton of quick pressure yet, but they but they have the potential to. And so going against this strong Seattle pass rush, I think puts the Bengals in a little bit of a tough spot in terms of protecting Burrow. So it does at least set us up where if people are going to go to this game, you know, going back to Chase, going to Burrow, We've got the we've got the weather maybe if we're gonna be fading this game and then we've got okay but they're really they really do need to be back they really do need to have found their form again because this is a pretty difficult pass rush that, that they're gonna be facing the scary part about if you're not playing Bengals this week is that the Seahawks look pretty beatable on the back end so if they hold up to this pass rush they could go off again yeah I mean if we even if T Higgins comes back, I think at least on DraftKings, Jamar is priced so far behind at least Tyreek and Cup, like a thousand dollar difference basically, that I, I still think we will see ownership on him. And then Mixon is I, I don't know how Mixon's ownership falls now that we have the the um the Chuba and the Deontay Foreman plays, which we'll get to later. So that was no a little bit of question Mixon, mark. Man. I, yeah. I, I, I hate yeah. playing Mixon and I played him last week. I, like I try not to do this, but I'm like, I think I'm done. Especially, especially in the same price range of Kyron now. It's like, <laughs> right. bro, you just, so you just pick the guy who actually scores touchdowns. Like, yeah, I'm sick of these expected fantasy points, dude. Yeah. Give me the real ones. 
Yeah, it's a rough spot. I mean, even even if we if people don't end up on Mixon, if we get like a I don't know twenty percent Jamar and, and a five percent T, even with the concerns about um, the weather and, and and maybe that pass rush that Crane mentioned, are are we looking at Higgins as kind of the obvious uh, contrarian play here? Yeah, I mean, he, and also like part of the appeal of this matchup is the ability to win downfield against the Seahawks. Like that, yeah. if you can protect the receivers can get downfield and win downfield. And that's what T Higgins is. So, you know, I think he at low ownership is pretty appealing. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be interesting too. And, and I mean, I, in general, I, I we talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago. I, I feel like the public tends to overreact to whether where we do obviously account for that in projections, any good projection models already accounting for that. Um, so we want to make sure we're not double counting on those things and, and obviously waiting till Sunday morning. We definitely know what's going on, uh, but make sure you aren't double counting. But uh, on the Seahawks side, Daigle, we're going to get um, maybe mixing isn't as chalky now as we discussed, but we're still going to get a very low owned Seattle team across the board versus at least a couple chalky pieces on the Bengals side. Um, if things go as, as we expect right now, are we fading a little bit of recency bias um, and, and maybe playing the Seahawks side with Gino and I would say particularly Lockett um, with DK still kind of uh, nursing that rib injury, or are you looking more as a, at this as a, a Ken Walker boom spot? You could argue that this is the healthiest DK will be for the rest of the season. He came out over <laughs> yeah. the bye week it even told reporters that he's been dealing with this rib injury that we didn't know about since week two. And it's really been ailing his play a 17% target share to Tyler Lockett's 20%. And as you mentioned for recency bias, given that Gino only had to attempt 20 pass attempts for their buy, because all they did was run over the giants in a committee yeah. backfield approach. Maybe this is the game. They bounce his back. The Bengals have, been more susceptible in the passing game to the slot to Tyler Lockett. But I'm also curious what DK Metcalf does still with the higher depth of target, you know, still being involved here as a concentrated passing game. It's only still him and Lockett seeing that they're still bottom five and pass play rate from 11 personnel. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba hasn't been used for smart routes or like sexy routes anyhow still like within five yards of the line of scrimmage but they're also not running three wide sets whatsoever as they promised so yeah. far so it's still just two wide receivers Noah Fant like his yards per route run only look good because he had that 160 yard catch from Drew Locke other than that hasn't done anything worth our time either so we're still only looking at three players here Ken Walker sure. included so it depends on how you view the total what you think the Bengals do on offense and yes the Seahawks running game is a great pivot here considering their stuffing running backs. The Bengals are at the league's lowest rate in the entire league. Also allowing a league high in yards per carry and the highest rate of 10 yard runs so far. Maybe Zach Charbonnet gets a little bit of a boost here for being like a, a post by rookie bump. His mm -hmm. share of the team's backfield touches increased in back-to-back -back games before they went off for their buy as well. But honestly, yes, as a boomer bust player anyways in fantasy ken walker it does paint more as a boom week for sure yeah i, I like the walker side of this a lot i mean i like the seahawks side a lot of uh, a lot in general yeah. um i would like it more if mixon was super popular i think maybe on fanduel he's he's 
still pretty cheap there that it might be both of them on, on DK. I think people might get away from Mixon, but uh, Daigle, as you mentioned um, on the podcast with Paulson yesterday, that we do see teams, uh, you know, start to increase that rookie usage coming out of the buy um, this time of year. So maybe like, you know, we, we don't use JSN and, and Charbonnet as DFS plays this week, but use this week as maybe a, a primer going forward. If we see slight upticks in three wide receiver usage or or upticks in Charbonnet's uh, usage continue to trend up, uh, maybe we use that for our week seven, week eight plays. And, and I mean, just to touch on the JSN thing, like he was a player that, that um, I, I think a lot of people were on early in the offseason because of the promise three wide receiver sets. Two things happened. We JSN got the wrist injury, and then on top of it, they got decimated in off offensive line and like forced mm-hmm. to play like more tight ends close. So it's like I, I don't think it's just that they're like, oh, JSN isn't ready. A lot of things changed for this team and this offense injury wise. That I I think, and I think we might have mentioned it on the preseason pod that like our expectations should have changed like last minute going into the season. So um, I do think that there is a way where we still see a JSN breakout in the second half of the season. Would you guys agree? Yeah, yeah I, I, I would agree. It's, it's it's such a long season. Everyone forgets yeah. that we're doing this for another 11 weeks, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. the yeah. don't care. Like, look at Marvin Mims leading the team receiving yards. No one cares about their rookie in the first five games. Like, this is such a long process. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, from a cash game perspective, um, early in the week, Mixon popped a little bit, but now with things changing at running back position, Jamar is the only um, obvious play here. He still does stand out as our top overall value on both sites. Uh, that'll probably change a little bit on Fandle where he's in the 9Ks. At 8,300 on DK, um, again, compared to those top tier wide receivers that are in the 9K range, Jamar is just going to remain uh, a great value. Uh, moving on to Jaguars versus Colts. Uh, this game has a 44 and a half point total with the Jaguars favored by four, giving them a total just above 24 while the Colts are just under 21. There is a ton of value in this game. We're going to get heavy chalk, um, especially on the Jaguars side, but there's plays to be had on the Colts side as well. Let's start with the Jaguar side and you Daigle. Uh, no Zay Jones, as you mentioned on the podcast yesterday versus a defense that is pretty zone heavy that also likes to uh you know isn't great at defending the deep ball so is this a spot where uh we target the jaguars wide receivers with etn and ingram getting the heavy chalk or is there another way to lean into uh the chalky jaguars plays outside of ridley and kirk it's such a tough slate to discuss on this friday in particular just because We know what everyone wants to do at quarterback. We know everyone wants to play Trevor Lawrence and Matthew Stafford, but we don't know the pivots because the pivots otherwise are in weather riddled games. And so I'm still trying to pinpoint like what the pivot is. The fun thing is though, is that we are not projecting and based on what running backs, everyone's going to use in tournaments. I'm not projecting still anyone to get to Calvin Ridley. And I think that's a mistake. So Regardless of if I play Trevor Lawrence in tournaments or not, or where I do, I'm 100% dragging Calvin Ridley along with me. Uh, his highest target share of the season, over 34%, came in week one against the Colts. Trevor Lawrence now in his last three games against Gus Bradley, who has been steaming this Colts defense now, um, has completed 80% of his passes for six touchdowns, only one interception in that time. And we know, as you said, concentrated target tree without Zay Jones now it does go to really two players for ceilings, and that is Ridley and Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk, who 
against this Colts defense now, who has run the most zone coverage of any defense in the league, is sixth in catches against zone coverage, 25th in yards per route run. Even when they played the Texans earlier this year, who ran the second highest rate of zone coverage against them in that particular week, Christian Kirk walked away with 654 and a touchdown. So he is like easily the best point per dollar play. Everyone's going to get there in cash games. Even in tournaments, I think I just eat it because he's such a good play. He's obviously shown over the last month. He's out targeting Calvin Ridley, but Ridley's the one that no one's getting to because everyone's trying to decipher between A.J. Brown, um, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill. It's like Ridley's just being kind of forgotten about. So I'm bringing him along everywhere as like honestly the best tournament play. Yeah, especially on DK. And this week is super unique, especially at wide receiver. Um, there's only like two or three guys that are really good values on both FanDuel and DraftKings. And then the wide receiver value uh, is really site specific. So you have to be uh, very intentional in how you're building lineups and how you're thinking about those lineups. And the Jaguars are a really good example of this on FanDuel Ridley and Kirk are within $400 of each other. Ingram priced a little bit lower, but he's a tight end. So it's different. Whereas on DK Ridley is uh, 1200 more than Christian Kirk and uh, 2200 more than Ingram. So I agree with you, Diego, that I don't think as many people will get to Ridley, especially on DK because of that price discrepancy. Uh, that's a really, really big thing to note um, about this uh, slate. Those wide it receiver is, salaries. Go ahead. It was just surprising to me, like that he's not going to, like if people are on Lawrence and, but it, yeah. the, you know, based on what I'm looking at, I think you're exactly right. It's just strange. Like that we wouldn't be more excited to play Ridley yeah. um, as kind of a collective here. And he's, yes, he's been out targeted by uh, Christian Kirk recently, but if you look at the first read targets, he still has the lead. Um, yeah. He's, he's got a 19% first read target rate to Kirk's 16%, which is a significant difference. Uh, he's also much more of a downfield guy, 13.6 ADOT, where Kirk is an underneath uh, slot receiver at 7.8 ADOT. So you want to talk about like tournament play, that is the better fit for tournaments anyway, you know, that sure. kind of more deep threat what's, guy. So I don't I, know. I mean, I would, it just seems like a great play. What's, happen what's happening, Corrine, is that uh, Ingram's so cheap and it's another yeah. bullshit tight end week that everyone's just playing Ingram instead um, and yeah. trying to get up to one of the other guys. So uh Ridley will get squeezed unless like somehow people try to make it work but usually everyone's just going up to 9k to cup and Tyree kill instead right now it's, it's hard sometimes like I always feel like I forget this by Sunday morning but it's hard sometimes to like remember this but I do think it's an edge when you're like trying to think through like why are certain plays the plays and why are other plays not the plays and it's like oh this guy's a play because this other random person is priced, you know, at 9K and we're trying to play him. And it's like, but it doesn't have anything to do with the actual game or what we actually expect to play out or how good of a play a particular wide receiver is in their own right. So mm -hmm. this Ridley one really jumps out to me where it's like, we're not playing Ridley because we got to play Evan Ingram so we can go play Cooper Cup. Like that makes Ridley a pretty sweet play. Yeah, no, I, yeah, and, and like Diego said, I think it is. It has a lot to do with um, just that price discrepancy again, especially on DK and uh, the fact that like he he's not just like if people are just looking at, at targets or volume or whatever, he's not blowing the other guys away. So I, I do think when you combine the ability to play a sub five k Ingram or or a sub six k Kirk along with these cheap running backs we're going to talk about and get up to like multiple studs 
people, I think people are going to kind of fall. I don't want to say it's a trap because they're good. They are good plays. Um, but we just have a lot of mouths to feed on, on the Jaguars offense. And I don't think Ridley will be single digits, but I, I low teens, even below the teens, like the 10 to 12, I can see that definitely, um, being the number that he comes in at, but let's look at the Colts side, uh, Corrine and the obvious thing, Anthony Richardson on IR. So how does this, um, passing game play out with Minshew at quarterback? I mean, it's kind of funny because they're such different quarterbacks, but Minshew has been pretty similar to Anthony Richardson in his EPA per play and his success rate. And I think generally the offense will probably be fine with Minshew. And yep. I think it might even be sort of similarly run because they've been they've been run heavy in both of the we've got we got Minshew starting in week three. They were quite run heavy that week. Um, they were run heavy on first down. They were run heavy overall. And then last week, they were even more run heavy, minus 10% pass rate ever expected, minus 15% on first down, really conservative style. When you look at their like overall um, pass rate ever expected for the season, the Colts now kind of look Falcons-y. So, I, you know, like obviously we're going to get more passing attempts with Minshew than we would have with Richardson because he doesn't run, you know, and he doesn't scramble as much as dropbacks are you know are a higher rate um but i but i think they're gonna put this through the run game you know as much as they can here um and they'll probably try to attack a jaguars defense that i i keep calling overrated it's funny because yeah. i think one of the reasons they, they are overrated is that they got to play the colts when they had Deion jackson is that they're the only team that's played Deion jackson this year and will play Deion jackson Good point and he was terrible in week one but now the colts rushing offense looks really good um and then the other reason I think the Jaguars are, are overrated on the ground is that they rank 30th in run block win rate. So, you know, the, the player tracking data is kind of pointing at them as, as not good in run defense. I think the Colts are going to attack a lot on the ground here. I think it's one of the ways that if, you know, if we're trying to fade like Christian Kirk chalk and stuff, like that's one of the ways this game doesn't really get there is that it's just not that much passing volume because the Colts are run heavy and effective at running the ball, which feels very plausible to me now that they've got Jonathan Taylor back and Zach Moss is playing really well. Is there a scenario, and, and I like your analysis of, of the Jaguars defense being a little overrated because they do look like one of the most uh, obvious pass funnels if we look at for, for schedule just fantasy points. But again, that looks at, at team level points. And as Cray mentioned, that team, the, the Colts that they played early in the year, um, wasn't the same team. Uh, is there a universe where we can get to Jonathan Taylor, maybe something in the Millie? Because again, we are going to have mega chalk on the Jaguar side. People are probably going to get to downs. I, I think a fair amount of people are going to get to Pittman as well. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, they're not just going to let Zach Moss get 20 touches when they just pay Taylor, right? Like, it, do they go right back like to like a even split this week? Do they ease Taylor in? Or is there a chance that like they just give it over to Taylor this week? I really don't think they can take Moss off the field. Like yeah. at, right. at most – it, it's a 50-50. We, we know 
Like, there's no doubt Jonathan Taylor's going to get more touches, but they can't remove Moss altogether because he's been too good. Only mm-hmm. B. John Robinson has more 10-yard carries than Zach Moss this year. The the most rushing yards the Titans had allowed was 67 yards, and then Zach Moss paced them for 165 and 7 yards per carry. And yeah, I know there's a little bit of, like, tier tart narrative around there. Um, that's fine. Like, yes, they're, they allowed over 6 yards per carry when he was out the game and defensive tackle for them. But, like, one defensive player still doesn't matter that much, especially, like, that kind of player for Zach Moss to run all over you. He's been good all year long. So they just can't. Like, they literally cannot remove him from this offense. Yeah, I don't think they can this week. I think you'll probably see, like, 60-40 in favor of Moss, maybe 50-50. But it's one of those things, like, if you – right, if we were, like, sleeper agents for Jonathan Taylor and we were, you know, going in and we got to, like, direct this, we would put Moss in the lead. And then we would hope, 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 (laughs) hope that he fails. And then as soon as he fails, it's Jonathan Taylor show. Like, that's how I think they're going to – and I think basically, like they they probably are sort of biased towards wanting to get Jonathan Taylor out there in a sense, but that's how they'll do it. Like as soon as Moss isn't amazing, he's not the starter anymore. But I it does strike me as like coming off that performance, how do you like for locker room purposes? You you can't just be like, all right, Moss, thanks, bye. It's it's also a three year deal, and we're talking about week five of year one, seven days yeah. after he signed it, like. I don't think they're too concerned about it when one running back is doing so well. So more touches right. for sure. But like, like Corrine said, I, I really think like 60, 40 in favor of Moss, which would be an uptick from Moss handling 25 of 32 touches. Yeah. It's double. It's double for Taylor. Yeah. He was at 19% last week. And I don't, and TJ, like, I don't even know where this comes from. Like it, it's a, such a good story, honestly, because Moss was not this player <laughs> and no. five, or not even five weeks, like through four games. Now he's played. He's been awesome. Like literally, he's been awesome, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> he really has. Yeah. So if if we're if we're assuming like double digit ownership for basically everyone relevant on the Jags, and then if if Pittman and, and Downs are even sniffing double digit ownership, like is there even a way to get unique in this game? I don't know. I genuinely don't think Pittman and Ridley catch double digit. I honestly think Ridley's going to be single digit. Um. And Pittman even less because they just get lost. Uh, when you when we start talking about like the three chalk running backs that are all priced under 5K in particular on, so it's site Pacific, but on DraftKings, let's say, uh, three running backs, all who are going to catch ownership under 5K, and you have to parse between them. And some people may even play all three of them. I just think that leaves enough money on the table to get lost in that mid-tier value of wide receivers. And I like a few we'll talk about later, but I really think Pittman and Ridley just get lost. What do I have Ridley at here? Uh, we got. I Ridley think Ridley. I honestly uh, think Ridley's yeah, like three to seven. Yeah, I guess that is it. On a yeah, Friday, Ridley. that's what I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, I, that actually. Eighty-three hundred, like on DraftKings, is still so so significantly under. Like and matching Jamar Chase, Tyreek, and Cooper Cup. Uh, Puka also. Everyone wants to try to swing in doubles. Puka's only eight K. Like Ridley's the one who kind of gets squeezed because everyone sees cheap Ingram and cheap cheap Rid- uh, Christian Kirk. Yep. Uh, cash game perspective, Lawrence, Etienne, Ingram, all projecting as top three values on both sites at their position. Kirk projecting as a top three wide receiver value on DK. Minshew is actually the top quarterback value on DK. And Josh Downs stands out as that punt play on DK. So again, lots of um, cash game action and ownership coming from this game. Uh, another game, and, and like this one, we're, we're 
kind of squeezing in just because of limited options. Like again, there just aren't a lot of high totals and this is another weather game, but Vikings at bears does have a 44 point total, which relative to the rest of the games is, is um, notable. Vikings are favored by three um, with a 23.25 uh, total bears at 20.25. Another game that could be affected by rain and wind. Corrine, uh, start with you with Jefferson out. Do we have an obvious beneficiary? Um, a lot of people are going to look at, at Osborne and Addison, but maybe uh, Hawkinson gets an uptick as well. Or is this a situation where we see the Vikings start to slant a little bit more run heavy because Jefferson is such a big part of that passing game? Yeah, I mean, I do think that they're going to go more run heavy. I noted before they played the Panthers that we saw them go conservative, you know, not like super run heavy, but but a balanced approach in a few games last year. And they were against uh, non-playoff teams and they were wins for the Vikings. So going against the Panthers, I was like, you know, they're going to they're gonna play this conservatively, um, which they then did. And I think we could see them do that again in this game, especially if there's weather concerns. So you, you have that. Like they're not – I use this chart in the walkthrough a lot that, that shows teams um, that are kind of – dictating the pass where they're passing when they have low expected pass rates. These are teams like the chiefs. This is the chiefs. They have a low expected pass rate in most of their games, but they still pass a ton. Um, the Bengals are sometimes like this. The bills are sometimes like this. The Vikings are always in these scripts where they're forced to pass. And then they do. Right. So they're not, they're not hiding. They're not like the Falcons would. They're not going to like just refuse to be in a shootout. They will be in a shootout. But I don't trust the Vikings to make games shootouts. So that's where I think your concern is uh, on the Vikings side. If you're, you know, trying to play Osborne or whatever, I do have some interest in TJ Hawkinson um, just as a play. I, as far as the DFS part of it goes, I don't know that I have the courage to play Hawkinson this week. You know, but he's he's probably the biggest beneficiary because I think his role changes. Um, his his ADOT is at 6.4 this season. That's really low, even for a tight end. But before this season, he's never had an ADOT below 7.5. He's not like the most athletic guy, but he's athletic enough. He's not just like, you know, one of these tight ends that has to be used super shallowly. He's shown some burst. He's shown some yards after catchability. And my my thinking on this is that he's soaking up a ton of underneath coverage. He's got a 30% double coverage rate this season, which is super high. That's 95th percentile for a tight end. He's kind of soaking up that underneath coverage. It's helping Justin Jefferson get open in the intermediate area. They don't need to do that anymore. They can actually use Hawkinson in the intermediate area a little bit more. So I would expect that his role actually shifts. He's still getting targeted at a high rate, but maybe a little bit further downfield. And all of a sudden Hawkinson actually has more upside than he did when Justin Jefferson was in the lineup. Um, if we are expecting a, a, a more run heavy script here for the Vikings or a run heavy game plan, um, how do we evaluate Madison and Akers? Because we finally saw Akers cut into that, that workload. Not finally, it's been a couple of weeks, but we saw Akers cut into that workload last week, Madison down to 55% of the team touches. But is that, concern alleviated a little bit with maybe a really big uh, a bigger pie so to speak against one of the worst run defenses in the league like could madison maybe still be a leverage play off of uh uh deontay foreman who's probably like among the chalkiest backs of the week i i suppose so i mean he hasn't been terrible he it, the it's just so fragile because he's losing routes now mm -hmm. to to acres so it it does 
It feels very fragile to me, but I don't think it's crazy. Uh, I know TJ. Yeah. Yeah. I know TJ. We look at uh, running back production against the bear uh, for fantasy as a whole. My, My issue is that running backs are getting it done in the passing game, but the bears run defense has actually been good. Like they're holding running backs to has been holding running backs to 3.6 yards per carry. Where running backs have been getting it done is they're averaging 66 receiving yards per game and 10 and a half yards per catch. And now we have two running backs splitting that pie. So I still think it's pretty useless, honestly, considering Alexander Madison through his first four games, three games, was averaging 81% of the team's backfield touches. And the last two, Madison 72%. And then this past game, a season low 55% because it's become more of a timeshare between him and Akers as we expected. So I just, I think that's too thin in this contest. Yeah. If we were getting Foreman mega chalk on a weak running back slate, I would like the leverage play. The problem is if you're playing medicine, you're probably giving up so much projection to like, I mean, legit like 10 other backs on the slate that are just in, in mm-hmm. like at least either volume spots, matchup spots, favored um there's just so many good run or at least decent running back players where madison is just like a legit like the definition of mid this week um so yeah, yeah i, I, I think I, like literally the definition i think not this week yeah oh man poor guy um, yeah. uh, speaking of of running back production dig we got khalil herbert to ir um, Roshan Johnson is going to be inactive, still in concussion protocols per- protocol. So how are we handling this, um, Deontay Foreman shot? Cause it's not a great matchup. Minnesota has kind of been a pass filter, but we're getting a $4,400 running back that, um, last year when given 15 plus rushes, um, average 17 plus half PPR points. That's RB seven numbers right now. Um, uh, I, I think he'll probably be in that like 15 to 20% range. Kind of hard to tell right now. Maybe he gets way more popular, but I think him and Chuba do kind of cannibalize each other a little bit. Um, Maybe everyone just plays both of them. I'm not really sure yet, Uh, but how do you, how do you analyze Foreman here? And I'm still counting. I know everyone doesn't want to, we'll explain when we get there, but Amari Di Mercado needs to be in the mix for everyone here, especially when there are three 4k running backs and everyone's forgetting about one of them. But for for Deontay Foreman, it's just the type of profile I hate because yeah, he's only he only has 15 receptions over his last three seasons in the NFL. So we're not going to get that. Uh, not only that, but it's going to be muddy and rainy. So maybe you start arguing more carries for him. But he was also just a front runner for the Panthers last year. He averaged 24 rushing yards in their 10 losses and 93 rushing yards in their seven wins. Like they only leaned on him in the second half when they had leads to pad that. Do you think the Bears will have that big of a lead? Maybe they will because they changed their offense. Like Justin Fields, even the most designed he Justin Fields had more designed carries on Thursday night last week than he had in his first five games this entire year. Like they just changed the offense altogether, um, which also takes away from Foreman too if they keep that up. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I'm torn, especially because he will be chalk. He'll definitely be played. He'll be overplayed most likely. Yeah. Just as a as a player, I I don't want to target because I don't think he gets receptions either. I, I don't know, man. I, I really, I'm fighting. I'm struggling with it. I, I don't know that I'm struggling with it. I, I just, I'm going to try not to play him. Um, Good. He's, Good. he, like, because, okay, it reminds me a little bit of Rashad Penny. What was, what week was it where um, there was injuries and it's like, okay, here we go. We're going to see Rashad Penny. And then it's like Boston Scott, you know, and it's like, oh, right. 
Yeah, they yeah. don't like this guy. They don't. They they have him as a healthy scratch every week, and then it's like now we're forced to use him, and we like him, so we're excited about that. But Deontay Foreman, I, I don't really get it because like I, he seems good to me, but the Titans didn't hang on to him after after his run with them, right? They prioritized Dontrell Hilliard, and they let him go, and then he lands with the Panthers, and he has a good run with the Panthers, and they immediately let him go. And then he goes to the Bears, and we're all excited, and he's a healthy scratch all year. So I, I don't I don't know, but I would not be shocked at all if it was just a bunch of Darrington Evans in like a in more of a passing Ooh. script or something. Like that's on the table, you know? Like there's it's I wish it I really wish it wasn't, but I think I think it is. Like there's they're like what they're just gonna feed him now because they don't have anyone healthy. Like they don't seem particularly inclined to play him. And then like we also have Chuba Hubbard who's been the running back too. He's been on the field all season. Like that, I feel much, much more confident that he's going to be able to just like scoop up a whole backfield to himself than a guy like Deontay Foreman. So I obviously this could burn me. You know, I think I do personally think Foreman is talented and I don't really understand why he's been a healthy scratch all year, but the situation just feels reminiscent of other spots where I was like, oh, right. Why did I think this team would do what I wanted instead of what they've signaled all year? <laughs> Yeah, the uh, it's it, I mean, just from a straight projection standpoint, um, he's probably not going to project like way over the field. Obviously, the price tag is was what's going to get people to him. Um, I want to touch on one more thing on this game. Diggle, you mentioned the uh, the combination of weather and fields getting uh, more running plays. So I think intuitively the a lot of people might say, well, because of the weather, they're going to throw less. That means fields runs more, uh, more rushing for him. That's the intuitive thought. Is he actually hurt by the weather um, this week? I don't have an answer for you. I'd like to know. He's been so much better. He's ninth in yards per attempt against the Blitz this year, too. That's been like his bugaboo since going back to college. He's been terrible against the Blitz, but he's actually kind of made it click this year. But the weather is really what throws me off here. It's one of those games where I would be all in on, honestly, if it were not for how bad it is in Chicago. Boots on the ground. It's raining right now. It's supposed to pour all through Monday afternoon. It is absolutely miserable outside. And as we know, only Soldier Field and FedEx for the Commanders, those are the two absolutely worst fields. They don't put tarps on. They literally just let it be muddy and sloppy. We saw fields last year and week one in that monsoon against Trey Lance and the 49ers. He threw two touchdowns, but still didn't get there in fantasy. And Christmas against the Bills when it was snowing, sideways snow, negative three degrees. He had 119 yards, one to passing touchdown. Also was under 20 rushing yards yet again. So I don't know. I, I really don't know. But we're projecting with a top three ceiling. It's something I keep looking at. If Foreman comes in like 40% and genuinely, maybe he does. Uh, I could see myself playing Fields and Gene Moore instead. I definitely could. I just... I need a little bit of weather. I need a little bit. Of, I need the market to move that total instead of dropping six and a half points since it opened as it does now. Uh, I just need a little bit of some whales to point me in the right direction. Can't we just yeah, bet I on the know. game to fail? Like, yeah, 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 that's what, yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. Um, I, I didn't know if we just didn't have a projection for Darrington Evans yet, but um, no, DK actually doesn't have it. DK doesn't have a salary for Darrington, so it's going to be really sure. funny if he does score. So a that's touchdowns. That, that's an edge, man. I, I swear, Michael Wilson was not in the uh, the the big board, the pre-draft underdog yeah. best ball tournament. And he would have been higher drafted 
mm-hmm. in Best Ball Mania if he'd been in the big, but because he like wasn't on people's radar as like a person who yeah. exists, it actually held him down. So I think literally not having Darrington Evans in the player pool will probably boost Foreman a little for, bit because it's no, like yeah, he's the yeah, only that's, person. That's super, that's super interesting because he is in the FanDuel player pool. So that's super interesting. Um, from a cash game perspective, I mean, all the negative things we just said about Foreman at 4,400. A starting running back like we're, we're gonna play him yeah um, cash is a different people, game we all yeah, yeah we for all sure that. uh people are gonna be asking about addison and osborne i mean i think both of their floors are so low that i probably am not playing them in cash but addison does project as the better value on fanduel osborne on DraftKings is a better value as i mentioned the wide receiver value is all over the place between the sites this week so just be very very cognizant of that um the other two big games are the games of the big totals. Um, they are the highest totals of the week uh, from a game standpoint, but again, big spreads here. So we'll start with the Dolphins favored by 13 and a half, 30.5 team total in a game with a 47 and a half point game total. Uh, the big news on this one, uh, at least today, is Miles Sanders is out. But before we get to that side, let's start with a team that also lost their running back, Daigle, in the Dolphins. Um, how does Mostert's projection uh, look with now we got HN out? And it looks like um, Jeff Wilson will be not, not going to play. Not, not going to play. Uh, so, what are we looking at? Do, do they just give everything to Mostert, or do we see like a solvent Ahmed still come in and, and get some, some run a little bit. Is most of a 20 touch dude. La- yeah, last Chris I saw Crane, right. Um, Wilson is doubtful or has he already been ruled out? I didn't see. Um, okay. I, I believe he's not going to play. He's out. My uh, McDaniel said too, he would be, if he, even if he plays, um, they would limit him to quote 25 reps. He meant 25 snaps, but also like that doesn't matter either. We don't care about running back snaps. We care about running back touches and whether you earn your touches, just moving forward for the entire industry. Listen, anyways, though, uh, <laughs> I, still every- care about snaps. I don't care about snaps. Everyone tries <laughs> to put Savon Ahmed like in this uh, role that we already have evidence of that he's not. Like, even in week one, Raheem Mostert had 19 touches. Ahmed, the only other active running back, had three. Ahmed is not a thing. Chris Brooks is not a thing. Maybe they are if it becomes a 40-point blowout. Otherwise, again, we have evidence they are not. We don't care. It's all Mostert. And in order to get to the point where Ahmed or Brooks has, like, a fourth-quarter garbage time role, you still have to get to that point. You have to build that 40-point lead. So we play the best plays. And so that brings us back to Mostert, of course, and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And that's, again, without Jeff Wilson, where it stops for the Dolphins because we tried Durham Smythe. We've tried Julian Hill. We tried Braxton Berrios and River Craycraft. Even Mike McDaniel says, you are not good. You do not get touches. And we've eliminated (laughs) everyone else. That's why the Dolphins have the seventh highest rate of targets to their backfield because A-Chan and Mostert are good. And that's more important Mm -hmm. than getting Braxton Berrios and Craycraft targets. So, so do we see, so instead of trying to figure out like where, where does all the eight chan touches go? Do, do these guys get uh, behind um, most or get more touches? Do you see the dolphins going back to like a little bit of what we saw last year where, and we saw it start last, last week, Waddle saw his target share go way up last week. Do we see Waddle and Tyreek get like huge target shares this week? A lot of touches to them. Um, and is Waddle kind of the, the guy that we're looking at if we're getting single digit Waddle and like 20% mustard and Tyreek. It's what I like betting on. 
again, I, I'm trying to find these mid-tier wide receivers that I know we have very high ceilings and are just getting lost because of the way lineups are building around Deontay Foreman and Shuba Hubbard. That's how we do it when we play DFS. And, and Jalen Waddle's definitely like a pivot play that I love in the slate because we don't know the yeah. outcome. Um, maybe without A-Chan, that seventh highest target rate to their running backs becomes more Waddle. Since last year, yeah. No one was involved. It was Tyreek Hill with 32.5% of the targets with Tua on the field for those 13 games. Waddle was at 22%. The next closest was Trent Sherfield at 9%. No one else mattered. Maybe it's that again, a little bit regression. As you said, TJ, we saw it last week with a 35% target share to Waddle. Four end zone targets as well. Could have had two touchdowns. And so that's a situation where I want to come down off Tyreek, save that little bit of salary, and bet on Waddle instead in a game that we expect the Dolphins will just simply blow out. Yeah. And, yeah. and I don't think we necessarily need the Panthers to push them. We know the Dolphins can get there so fast on, on such explosive plays. And on top of that, we just saw last week, the Lions down their two most explosive players. Everybody still gets there against the Panthers. So you can get there against this Panthers team. Um, on, on the Panthers side, Karain, uh, before we get to the Miles Sanders injury, the obvious play is Thielen because he's had this huge target share, but does this game actually set up for like an even higher PPR ceiling than we've seen from him in, in recent weeks because of how the Dolphins will play this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I'd say necessarily higher. I mean, I, I had a hard fate on Thielen coming into the season, so don't make me say higher than that. I, I'm going <laughs> to keep eating crow, okay? I mean, he's going to have another good game. That's the... that's the, <laughs> I'm willing to admit that. I God, if, he's, if he takes us to another level, I don't know that I can handle it. But it is it is a pretty perfect setup for for Thielen. The Dolphins they have a good pass rush. Um, the 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 Panthers don't have a great offensive line, uh, and the Dolphins are limiting explosive plays. They they play well in coverage, but they actually they're thirtieth in dropback success rate allowed. So you can kind of just matriculate the ball downfield, right? Vic Fangio, all that the the whole cover two metas is, is coming from. From this kind of style. Now, Young's not going to do a lot of that while the game's competitive. But we we saw last week he actually was okay in garbage time. So Young's starting to flash the tiniest versions of flashing, which you know you can be okay in garbage time. And Thielen, I think, can rack up a lot of catches in that kind of in that kind of script where he's trying to get the ball out quickly. Thielen's clearly that guy. Um, I don't know that I really, I don't really want to play Thielen. I've, I've put him in a lineup just to see how it feels. Didn't feel great. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's a pretty solid PPR volume type of play and he's not super expensive, so he can probably pay off. Um, and I guess, you know, you could do something like most Thielen and, and do that and kind of play it as the, the Dolphins lead type of type of script. Sure. I think the edge Corain is probably in playing both Thielen and Hubbard and onslaughting this game, right? Because I, I think what's going to happen is everyone only tells themselves we can only play one Panther, right? Only one can mm -hmm. get there. That's how I and felt every, immediately. Yeah. Everyone will take the discount. And so Thielen will get a little bit lost, but maybe then because of the discount, you can play Thielen and Hubbard and then play two dolphins as well. How does that huh. um, equation? Change? I don't think I'm playing two dolphins there. I'm just throwing Mostert in there. Yeah. In that. I still want to play two Dolphins because I only care about three offenses. I care about the Rams, Jaguars, and Dolphins, and I'm focusing the entire slate around those three offenses. How, Do you think the Panthers I, can push back enough to, to make two Dolphins hit? 
no, but the Dolphins don't care about you pushing back. Yeah, fair. Like they've already proven that in two slates where the Broncos and the Giants don't get there and Tyreek Hill and Mostert get there because it doesn't matter. Yeah. How, where, at what point do you um, make Chuba the slam dunk over Deontay Foreman in terms of ownership? If we get right now, oh, yeah, and ownership. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, I <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, no. I I agree with you that that's the side I want. Um, but I mean, if these guys come in like similar ownership, um, you know, I, I it makes me love Chuba less. Whereas if we get like thirty percent Deontay and like fifteen percent Chuba, I don't. I don't know how does that happen? Possible? I don't know how that happens. Yeah, um, but but Chuba I mean, catches passes. Just, yeah, they they're yeah. gonna be throwing. They're Chuba's gonna be dumping been- off good this year too he's He's been been good really good yeah the team has had him active that seems that seems positive like i just this strikes me as one of those ones where like if i want chuba to be less owned than foreman so so badly there's almost no chance that it happens right the the field is too sharp like i i don't think they're going to give me this i i think i think hubbard comes in more personally but i don't know yeah, I think they're both over 25%. I like just middled it with the projections today just because I had to hurry up and get something up. Um, and I'll dive into it like way deeper tomorrow. But um, these slates we've traditionally seen, like people are just going to build with both of them and they're both going to yeah. be like close to 30, I think. Um, from a value perspective in this game, Mostert is still the top running back value on DraftKings, even with all of the late injury value. Uh, Waddle is a top two value below $7,000 on FanDuel. Um, and Thielen is a top four DraftKings wide receiver value. Miami viable on both sides because of the big spread, but they are expensive. So uh, they're DST. Um, if you could fit them, sure. But usually in cash games, that's tough to do. Um, moving on to the uh, final game that we have listed to talk about. The Rams have a 27.75 total favored by seven against the Cardinals. The Game total here is 48 and a half. So, Crane, start with you looking at the Rams side. Um, with Cup back, we now have a matchup against a really um, vulnerable Cardinals defense. And as you mentioned in the walkthrough, this could be a spot where we see the Rams get uh, super aggressive in terms of their passing rate. How do you see that playing out with um, what looks like just a pretty cemented three wide receiver core now? Yeah, I mean... I was, I, I didn't give Sean McVay enough credit. I thought he would play Van Jefferson still and I would make me mad, but then he played him one route and traded him to the Falcons. So like, way to go, Sean. This is great. I'm loving this. We get Tutu Atwell as like the actual downfield threat now who can draw targets and actually beat people deep. As opposed to Van Jefferson, who was literally just drawing double coverage occasionally and, and that was helping the Rams out, but not helping us out at all. Um, and then you've got Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup who are just going to be peppered with targets over the middle of the field. And I think they're going to attack the Cardinals through the air this week. I mean, the Cardinals are terrible. Uh, they have not are they 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 have a terrible pass defense, but they can't get to the passer. So it's just like a perfect spot for the Rams because the Rams don't have a very good offensive line. They're not protecting Stafford well. The only reason that they wouldn't want to attack this this pass defense is if they felt like. They couldn't protect Stafford, but I think they're not going to have a problem with that. So, you know, and the other nice thing about their offense is it does flow through these two intermediate and shallow target earners in Cup and Nakua. So they can get the ball out quickly. They get they Stafford has a really high uh, first read throw rate. 
Right? He's getting the ball out quickly to his playmakers, pretty shallow on the field. So even if there was a pass rush, I wouldn't be super, super worried, but there isn't. So, yeah, I, I really like this. I want to play Stafford. I mean, Daigle nailed it. Like, that's who I want to play this week. You know, that's that's the quarterback that just jumps out. Um, I want to play multiple versions. I want to do Cup and Tutu. I want to, you know, I want to do Puka and, and Tutu. I think Tutu's probably going to be in the mix for me. Um, he's not like my favorite play of the, like, I would love to do Cup and Nakua, but I, maybe I can with the running. Maybe. I mean, we got I, the, I was just saying, with the running, got back, the running that backs. was my next question. Like, we, we can probably, I don't know if it's easily, but I mean, we can go with pretty much any double that we want with Stafford and, and probably make it work. That's that's appealing. The, the other thing I like about this, right, is you could take, now, before I looked at the ownership, I was like, and I can bring back Zach Ertz and get tight end taken care of, but then looks like he's going to be chalk and he's Zach Ertz. So that feels really bad. Yeah. But I also like bringing back Marquise Brown. You know, I, I think the Dobbs can kind of rebound here. The Rams defense is not all that imposing. And so, you know, we get a little bit of a pushback here from the Cardinals. And this is actually like the one game that jumps out is like, yeah, we can game stack this. This feels game stackable. Um, Absolutely. On, on a week um, where I don't really feel like there's many options to do that. Speaking of game stackable, let's go to that other side, Daigle. And uh, we already talked about Foreman. We already talked about Chuba. Walk us through this Keontae Egram, um, Di Mercado backfield situation and, and why maybe this we is bring how we get unique on this slate. This is why I love Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard getting steamed because <laughs> oh. in these double stacks, Di Mercado is very clearly the player to run back instead of one of those cheapies. Through three games together in weeks one through three, Di Mercado ran 14 routes to Ingram seven. More importantly, Di Mercado played 17 snaps to Ingram zero on third down because Ingram is not the pass catching back. So in a negative game script with the Cardinals being seven, seven and a half point road dogs, wherever the line moves to, it is very clearly the Rams. The, the game script you're telling yourself is the Rams piled on and Ingram's not even on the field because Di Mercado has been proven to be their pass catching back. And I'm not even counting in the fact that Ingram has been terrible for his entire career let alone this year, 12 <laughs> carries for 15 yards. What if they already saw Ingram play in those first three games and said, we can't roll that out because those 15 yards still pale in comparison to the one time that DeMarcado got on the field last week and rushed for 45 yeah. yards and a touchdown. Like, I'm not even counting that. I don't even need that usage. I'm just saying he is the pass catching back. Those are facts, and, it's, and we think it's going to be negative game script. That's where my analysis stops, and it's a clear, perfect option to run him back. What what number do we hope uh, we're getting from uh, D Mercado and DK points? Like, where do, what do we need to reach? Enough to beat 16? out Foreman. Enough yeah. to beat out Foreman. That's all. That's Foreman, all I should care up, about. Yeah. yeah. And Foreman, uh -huh. as we said, we already said, doesn't catch passes, doesn't earn targets. D Mercado does. That's all I need to know. Yeah, that the, the ceiling would be the concern for me. Is am yeah. I? Am I not? Am I burning a running back spot and then not getting enough ceiling out of it? Yeah, um, I mean, if you're getting, what is he, forty nine? Yeah, yeah. It's if you get seventeen points out of forty nine hundred at one percent, I think you'd probably get there. I mean, he's not going to get. Everyone's already. I mean, we saw the reaction whenever Keontae Ingram 
was named at the top of the depth chart, which people still care about. I don't know why. Uh, but like, again, the fact people even picked him up on waiver wire for redraft leagues only, that was baked into the process was Ingram playing the entire time. Because again, Di Mercado is their pass catching back. So the fact that now everyone's worried about Ingram being there, I think that's great for his ownership. Like he is the better play over Foreman because it's so much easier to get there on targets, which again, Foreman does not have. Yeah, I like that we do have um, at least some kind of, of pivot off of these two cheap running backs because when there's just like two obvious cheap running backs and, and everyone's playing them, like it's probably my least favorite slate to play. Um, well, especially because so I, I like that we have Marquise Brown is yet again going to be a cash game play, TJ, because yep, he's like, DraftKings draft just refuses to budge him. It doesn't matter. He yeah, had 31% of the team's targets the last month and they're just keeping his salary the exact same. Yeah, he's um he's staying as one of the top values. Um, on, on Fanduel they've bumped him up. On and it's usually the opposite. Usually DK is very Fan, sharp with the pricing. Fanduel um, this year, give them it. credit. You can't log in, yep. but uh, they are definitely moving salaries. You have to enter your yeah, password ninety eight times, but they're moving salaries. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, as we mentioned, lots of value in this game. Stafford is in the Fanduel often. He's a top two value on Fanduel. Uh. Kyron shows up in, in about 25% of uh, optimal lineups on DK. Uh, Dobbs is in the DK optimal because he's so cheap, but only 12% rate in the optimal. So like he's a very fringe cash game play, but, but definitely a value saver there. Um, and then as we mentioned, Marquise Brown and Zach Ertz, both cash game plays there. Um, so those are the games with obvious totals, either on the team or the game side. After that, it gets pretty pretty sketchy um obviously the just the lions are are a fun team that we um like to play um texan saints looks pretty gross falcons commanders could be okay um eagles are the eagles um i don't know i'll just throw it to you guys daigle is there a game that stands out here that you are are looking at outside of the ones we mentioned i'm trying to figure out how to play the falcons commanders because yeah like where the where the commanders leak all their production is on explosive plays. Like that's all we care about for fantasy is explosives. But the Falcons still have a passing game issue, and so although Ritter is cheap, it's like, well, I don't think we need the salary. Maybe at the beginning of the week, but with the running back injuries, we don't need to get there. Uh, Drake London, we'll talk about at the end. Still an amazing play, getting lost in this slate. But overall. It's just hard. Like even the commanders allowing the third highest rate of passing touchdowns through the air. Commanders games have averaged a total of 54 points because Sam Howell, all he does is keep the ball, get sacked. And then the commanders have to keep their foot on the gas the entire game and just throw it. Uh, there's also like one clear option, Logan Thomas, they love. Everyone else kind of falls to the cracks. But honestly, you would think like that game being indoors in a week where seven games are littered with weather like the environment should be really good. I just don't have it pinpointed how to play it just yet. Yeah. I mean, I, I would think by this point and, you know, after five weeks that it should seem pretty obvious that um, we should at least be throwing a handful of lineups with any defense against the commanders, like every single week. Um, and Falcons are still coming with a really low DST ownership projection. I mean, they're priced up a little bit, not a little bit. They're priced up, but um, I mean, a sub 5% defense against Washington every single week, I think is the play. I hate that we're at a point in, in DFS where Logan Thomas and Kyle Pitts are still going to draw some ownership, um, you know, 
where, you know, Logan is a good play. I mean, he is a good play, but I don't, awesome. I don't want to play 12% Logan Thomas. I want to play 2% Logan. Me Thomas. neither. That's fair. <laughs> um, Corrine is in any of these games pop to you. I think the Eagles, you know, you said the Eagles are the Eagles and that is my case for them here. Yeah. Um, but it's also that this is not a slate with a ton of quarterback upside. Right, we don't have Mahomes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we don't have Josh Allen. Um, we don't have Lamar. So, like, Jalen Hurts could just wreck this slate. Like, you yeah. could have to have Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And, I mean, I think he's in a good spot. I don't. I do not. And I. I don't really even understand why the Jets are like this really respected pass defense this year. They haven't been that good. They've got a good pass rush. But they haven't been particularly strong in the secondary. Like, I guess you'd say, like, oh, the Chiefs, you know, well, the Chiefs just didn't look that great against the Broncos last night. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know how much credit to give the Jets here is like this stifling defense. Everyone and, saw that week I, one nationally televised game and then it just it just rode it out to their great. Yeah. I mean, the Jets are they're 26th in explosive pass rate. Uh so they're letting up explosive pass rate at, at a high rate. They're 21st in dropback success rate allowed. They're 24th in EPA allowed per dropback. Like, this has not been a pass defense that's shut down at all. Um, you do have the issue that the Eagles could just salt this game away pretty quickly with DeAndre Swift, and you don't get that much passing volume. But we have this setup with Jalen Hurts where he is finally dialed into A.J. Brown, you know, and we're getting, like, the super high first target rate for A.J. Brown, super high target rate uh, over the last several games to A.J. Brown. So – you can, you can go in, kind of do your single stack there um, and just bet that it's an A.J. Brown to Jalen Hurts week. And we saw like sometimes last year those would hit and it it didn't like even win tournaments because, you know, they're expensive. But there, this could this is the type of slate where I think like hitting on a Hurts to A.J. Brown week could just massively separate you where there's not a ton of ceiling at the quarterback position. Um, also, that game is interesting because – Late swap game, whereas the only late swap game catching ownership yeah, yeah. is Cardinals and Rams, and no Darius Slay or Jalen Carter. Um, that's what I, you, I I started looking at like Brees Hall a little more, thinking because like yeah, Garrett Wilson is a tournament play. Garrett Wilson only gets there if he scores a touchdown. That's a tournament play. Otherwise, he just hits his floor every week. Even last week, he finished beyond the top forty wide receivers because he didn't score a touchdown. But maybe with no Darius, Darius Slay, who has been bad this year, but that helps. But no Jalen Carter is really interesting because we are coming off a career high in carries for Brees Hall. Uh, 25 touches to his highest share of the team's backfield touches. So I started looking at that since that mid-tier pricing of running backs also get lost among the cheap running backs. And that is it for me with, with this game. Like I am so much more worried about the Jets' offense than I am about their defense. You know, like, can you push the Eagles a little bit? And probably the best chance they've got is, you know, the Eagles are injured on defense and Brees Hall just hit some explosive plays, you know. And I know he hasn't done that much since his first two carries, Daigle, but he's he's an explosive running back. Hold on. Do you have, we have a game. <laughs> we have one more game against the Broncos. Calm down. <laughs> um, 
I, I do agree with Daigle that the key to this game is the late swap because let's remember that Rams and Cardinals are in the late window as well. Um, so it's just like very, very obvious pivots if we're in a late swap position to get off of those uh, popular plays and going over to Eagles or Jets. Um, out of all of the games that we did not mention, players that are projecting well on the DK side, um, fringe cash plays, Josh Jacobs, Alvin Kamara, David Montgomery. On the Fandle side, again, Josh Jacobs, Bijan Robinson, um, and Godwin also project- projecting well on Fandle. Um, as far as the chalk goes, I think we've, kind of made it clear where we stand on Foreman versus Chuba. So I'll just kind of ask you guys who, instead of who you like or don't like, since all of us are kind of off Foreman, which of these other chalk plays do you like? I'll start with you, Corrine. Jamar, um, and then all of the Jaguars are kind of projecting chalky. So we have Jamar is a very high on play, and then Etienne Ingram and Trevor Lawrence all projecting very chalky. Any of those guys stand out as plays you want to lean into and play the chalk? Mostert jumps out to me the most, where oh, yeah, I'm like, I could just see him crushing um you know and chuba chuba could just be a version of foreman that i feel better about like as i mentioned sometimes you got to play the guys that let you do other things you know but but at least like being aware of like this guy's chalk because he lets you do things you want to do elsewhere in your lineup and you know those (laughs) they're getting boosted not because they're great plays but because of the the way the the lineups all kind of work together Salary wise, so I'm going to try to stay away from that as like as much as I can. Like Evan Ingram is another guy. I'm like he's just he's just along for the ride. Like I he doesn't shape up as a particularly great play in his own right. I don't think, but um, so yeah, he would be the him Foreman are probably the two that jump out to me as the easiest fades, and then Mostert's the one. Even though I probably will play a decent amount of Hubbard, I think I might like. I don't know if I want to make most of the priority since it's going to be big, big chalk, but God, he, he has a ceiling, you know, like yeah, it's yeah. not just because I, because he's priced in a certain thing. It's like, dude, he could crush. Uh, Raheem Blackshear doesn't have a touch on the, he was active for one game, but he played exclusively special teams too. So we can't imagine him stepping in and being like a timeshare back. We just don't care, especially because Chuba Hubbard has been used in negative game script. So if that's what we're projecting, yep. that's exactly yep. what we're projecting for Hubbard. And I think Jamar Chase is the one I can see myself losing for sure, because there are too many good options. If T Higgins is active, uh, we yeah. have to get this right. And like, there's a big difference between Jamar Chase's 27.8% target share to the first three games with Higgins compared to over 38% the last two weeks without Higgins mm-hmm. practically big, big difference. Yeah. Yeah. I That's could see good. myself off him That's too. Fair. Although didn't work, didn't work last week. Yeah, I, <laughs> well, it was without say, Higgins, but yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Um, before we get into our favorite plays at every position this week, I want to remind everybody about prize picks. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Go to pricepicks.com slash DFSVP, use the code DFSVP, and you'll get a first deposit match up to $100. We have a few plays that we looked at this week. Hopefully, uh, you guys are watching live so you could get in on the action as well. And we have some players that we like to go um, a little bit more than rushing specifically totals this week. Trevor Lawrence, 17 and a half rushing yards. We like him for more rushing yards. He's averaged about 25 rushing yards per game, been uh, over 20 yards in four or five games. 
Deontay Foreman, we mentioned we got that late injury news on Roshan, so I hope you guys are able to um, get this 48.5-point rushing total for him. We like him for more than 48.5. And then Christian McCaffrey, 72.5 rushing yards. We like him for more as well. We're projecting him for over 100 rushing yards this week. So get on those on price picks. $25 would 5X your money with that three-player pick. Don't forget to go to pricepicks.com slash DFSMVP. Use the code DFSMVP for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, let's get to our favorite plays of the week. Pat, let's go to your quarterback of the week. Uh, Jalen Hurts, I talked, I kind of already made this pitch, but he uh, he could just be that quarterback that, that separates this week. And, um, yeah. you know, in and, and a slate where we're not that excited about a ton of stuff, getting that right could could make a big impact. Yeah, players that can lap the field are always um, really good plays, and and I think that is a good point. One that we just didn't like harp on too much, but that floor ceiling combo that Hertz has um, is is pretty much unmatched. Uh, Daigle, we haven't talked about this game at all, uh, so tell me a little bit about your favorite quarterback. First off, Crane is making really good points because the way I've been trying to play the slate so far, that's why I haven't been able to figure it out just yet. Uh, that's why the article will come out tomorrow morning instead is because I'm really trying to, I don't mind the chalk. I'm really just trying to get my core away from the chalk and then I can eat the chalk because the chalk are objectively good plays this week. So how do I do that? And Jalen hurts, AJ Brown, Brees hall is very interesting. Has me thinking a lot. Um, but also I I'm waiting on the weather for this Browns 49ers game, because I think we have enough questions about the Browns defense to consider them a potential offense to attack, whether it's with Brock Purdy, who I'm just really using, I'm sitting here as a placeholder to talk about this game, um, mm-hmm. or Brandon Ayuk, maybe even if someone wants to sneak in Christian McCaffrey. Although, like last week, uh, we talked about like David Montgomery to BJ Ro- John Robinson. You had to give up like 1500 in salary. And with the, even the projections, when everything objectively says, like this guy is not worth eating that money for like you can't go to Bijan whenever Dave Montgomery's just here just take him and figure it out um that's probably what's happening with Christian McCaffrey it probably is worth getting lost on because of what you're losing whenever you spend 4k more for him as opposed to like these two cheapy running backs but for that game it's interesting because the Browns haven't been tested so far they had injured Joe Burrow who threw for 82 yards because he didn't have a calf uh Kenny Pickett and Ryan Tannehill (laughs) and then their one test all year Lamar Jackson pasted them for 9.7 yards per attempt and 28 fantasy points. Now it's Brock Purdy in this 49ers offense that has scored over 30 points in every single one of his starts. Like, I don't know if the Browns defense is good enough to stop the 49ers offense. And if that's the case and the weather holds, which again, I don't know just yet. We have to wait for it until Sunday morning. Then everyone could pop here. And more importantly, that goes back to Brandon Ayuk. That's a player who's getting lost with the ceiling in between the cheap guys and the very expensive guys everyone's paying up to because they're paying down at running back because the Browns have run the eighth most man coverage in the league, the eighth highest rate. And Brandon Ayuk is 11th in yards per route run against man coverage this year. That's when he explodes. So whether you played Brock Purdy or not, I don't know, but it's the point about talking about this game and Brandon Ayuk in particular, because I think they're, I think they're in a really good spot if the weather holds. Yeah, this does feel like one of those spots where we get to Monday and look at the results and just realize we are dumb because we had 
the best team playing against a um, very mediocre team. And because their team total wasn't super high, we just let them fly under the radar. But they are just good and could just yeah. – uh, just yeah just blow the doors off anybody they play so i think that's a, yeah. a good call i'm yeah. glad we brought that up because we didn't touch on that game um i mean and cash it's pretty easy trevor lawrence is is the the top value at quarterback um pretty pretty clear cash game quarterback as i mentioned earlier everybody on the jaguars is projecting for ownership um you can just play trevor lawrence and, and just get um all the points from that team uh another game that we haven't really touched on uh Karain, who's your favorite running back this week yeah, uh, David Montgomery, who yeah. like was about to wreck the slate last week is mm-hmm. big, big chalk. Um, but then the Panthers just couldn't push back at all. We get Craig Reynolds in the fourth quarter. Um, but Montgomery has been good. Like he's been very consistent. He has a really strong success rate, but he also is showing a bit of explosion. Um, I, you know, I. I think Jameer Gibbs is a fun player. I'd like to see more of him, but like, there's no reason for them to force that. And there's no reason for them to force that in matchups where they can just run the ball down the opposing team's throat. We know the Lions want to do that. They've been very clear about that. Uh, you know, this it shows up in the stats. It shows up when Dan Campbell's doing pressers, like they, they want to establish the run and they're going to be able to do that against the Buccaneers this week who rank 29th in rushing success rate on defense. They're, dead last in PFF's run grades. They're dead last in run stop win rate. This is not a good run defense. My hope is that the Buccaneers can push back a little bit on offense, but that the Lions control this game throughout. We get that just just literally a run back of last week's mega chalk David Montgomery, except he's not mega chalk this week. He'll be, he'll be owned, but not massively owned. I'm seeing him uh, at potentially less than Josh Jacobs. And I, yeah. I made Josh Jacobs the, the cover boy, but partly I did that because I was like, we're just coming off a of David Montgomery week. Like, let me be, let me pick someone who's a little more interesting to talk about. But I think I'd rather yeah. play David Montgomery over Josh Jacobs straight up. And the field maybe is going to be the other way with the little salary saving on Jacobs. So he just yeah, strikes Monty me as a really Price, good player. Monty priced up his RB5 on FanDuel, RB2 on DK. Now that is at a, a 2K plus discount to, um, to Christian McCaffrey, but still relative to the rest of the field, Mondi is priced up this week. Sam one thing Florida, also a true game time call. I'm kind of looking out for that because if he's out, a Moan Raw could be the argument that Jamar Chase was last week and that mm-hmm. the targets mm-hmm. literally don't go anywhere else. Like no Jameer Gibbs, no Sam Laporta. It only goes to a Moan Raw from that point forward. And he'll be under yeah. roster. One one just quick note on, on Montgomery as well is that like it, it, if you play Montgomery and like Mostert together, even though those guys won't, both of them will be owned. Mostert might be mega chalk, but if that means I'm not playing either of the punts, and so if I can, if I can then like maybe that's gonna be tough to figure out exactly how I do it, but like yeah. if I can figure out a lineup where I just don't play either of those guys, but I'm using two running backs, so I think I have really high ceilings this week, and probably won't be owned together a ton. Because a lot of times we owned with one of the punts, I, that's an interesting starting point. Yeah, that's a that's n- nobody's going double pay up at running back this week. Um, Daigle, we talked about this game, but we actually didn't touch on the running back much. So talk to me a little bit about uh, this this RB you like. I think the best thing about Kyron Williams is that you don't 
have to play him with Stafford. He is the pivot. Right. Kind of like a Travis Etienne, although if you want to get a little cute, although I think it's going to be maybe a cash game option is Lawrence and Etienne. Um, but Kyron, we saw his target share dip to a season-low mark last week with Cooper Cup back on the field. He's still leading all running backs in route participation, and no one's coming for his job. Even Zach Evans last week was active. He played one snap on special teams. And since week two, whenever they made Cam Akers a healthy scratch and then traded him, uh, Kyron has handled 90% of the team's backfield touches. No one's coming. And so for that reason alone, although he's been inefficient, he's literally he literally last week was dead last in next-gen stats, rushing yard over expectation. <laughs> it doesn't matter when you're getting every single touch in an offense we expect to have to score 28 plus points you just take that chance so given that we don't expect him to have really a target share either it's kind of just a pivot off of Stafford so I think Kyron should be in our pools yeah I I, I think Kyron will be owned a little bit but again like the, the running too. back the running back ownership projection is going to be quite muddied up with these uh, I might, cheap, cheap running back so I might treat them like a Tyreek and Mostert too I, I think you could yeah. go cup Kyron and call it a day, not bringing Stafford along. Oh yeah. 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 I like that a lot. Um, from a cash game perspective, I mean, don't overthink it. Uh, you know, as much as we went back and forth on these guys, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard are just, uh, they're going to open up a ton of salary in cash games. Um, I mean, the, the only, um, thing people might be a little nervous about, which makes sense is, um, playing Chuba and Mostert in the same game. So, I guess that makes sense, but, uh, Foreman and Chuba are, are just cash game plays this week. Um, Wide receiver, uh, Karen, talk to us about, uh, we talked about Kyron, talk about another, a, another player in this game. Yeah, Marquise Brown, although if he's going to end up being really chalky, then that's less interesting. But um, I like him as, you know, just this guy is earning a ton of targets in a game that I want to have pieces of. So if I'm playing Marquise Brown, I'm going to have a Ram on the other side, or I'm going to have a stack uh, with Matthew Stafford on the other side. So. Not like a one-off play for me, but uh, one thing I like about Brown is that maybe Ertz is going to get catch a lot of ownership. So if I can get a little bit of leverage off of Ertz to a guy that's got a much higher ceiling, I mean, Ertz is just literally you know a catch-and-fall-down guy. You're hoping he gets an end zone type of play. Marquise Brown actually a downfield playmaker. So um, you're you're going to have to eat a little ownership with him. But if you use him as a correlated piece, I think he's he's pretty interesting. I could see Brown getting squeezed a little bit. Um, yesterday, when we didn't have the clear running back values, it wasn't obvious where we were going to save money. So a $5,300 wide receiver um, helped a lot. Now that we have two sub-5K running backs, I do think that um, there's a chance, you know, we get, I don't think Marquise Brown will be unknown because that game is intriguing, but I could see him coming in at like 11 or 12 maybe. Something like that. Um I like that. I'm into that. Yeah. Uh, Daigle, you talked a little bit about this game as one that you would like to target outside of the main games. What about a player to target in that game? Not necessary to bring along Desmond Ritter, unless you're playing the Millie Maker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Drake London at 4,800 on DraftKings, cheap on FanDuel. He'll get it done anyways. Uh, just look at what the commanders have done. Again, allowing explosive plays, in particular through the air, to opposing wide receiver ones. 
Marvin Mims, 113 in the touchdown. Stephon Diggs, eight catches for 111 yards. A.J. Brown, 175 and two. And then last week on Thursday night, D.J. Moore, 230 and three. Uh, Drake London has been over 20% of the team's targets in three of his last four games. He's the most consistent option in that passing game. So given the fact that's where the commanders are leaking production, I think Drake London definitely gets lost, and he's an amazing play in the slate. Yeah, sub 5K. I mean, if people are playing 4K wide receivers, I mean... I guess it's just Josh Downs, really. Maybe some KJ Osborne. So, um, I mean, as a one-off, that that definitely makes sense. Um, from a cash game perspective, as as I mentioned earlier, Jamar is our top value on on both sides right now. On DK, he's still priced well below um, the that elite tier of wide receivers. So, I still think we just put him into uh, cash games, especially on DK, because he does. Um, he does just fit that value uh, profile that we like a lot in cash games. Uh, let's go to tight end. And uh, Karain, you mentioned that um, we we want to see um, if uh, if Tampa Bay could push this game a little bit for Monty. Um, interesting way they could maybe do it at tight end. Yeah, Kate Otten is you know not not an inspiring play. Um, the reason that I selected him though, is that he's coming off 92% rap participation, got Mike Evans banged up. Maybe there's some additional targets here for Otten. Um, he hasn't really flashed anything as a target earner, but I'm trying to keep it cheap at tight end. That's, that's kind of the bigger thing here. Like if I can do a Dave Montgomery, Kate Otten mini cool. If I, you know, if I'm going to play chase, maybe I make that uh, a double with, Irv Smith or something like I just yep. I've got to I've got to take care of tight end cheap this I don't think there's really anything I mean Laporta but Laporta's banged up um Hawkinson's I think a little too expensive for me to want to go there just given that game environment so I'm just looking for like ways that I can keep it cheap at tight end and Otten is a is a cheap tight end <laughs> Um, Otten is a salary pivot off of Ertz, Thomas, and Kyle Pitts, who could all be in that fringe double-digit range. Uh, Detroit is a pass funnel. Uh, Mike Evans expected to play, but hamstring has relatively high uh, re-injury re-injury rate for wide receivers. And we also see um, whether they come back right away or after a couple weeks, even though they had the buy in there, um, roughly about a 20% uh, fantasy drop off um, in that game that they returned for wide receivers. So even if Mike Evans is active, it's not going to be in all likelihood the Mike Evans we saw the first few weeks of the season. Um, going back to that uh, Drake London uh, mini correlation commanders Falcons game, uh, Daigle tight end here i'm just gonna suck it up and play logan thomas because he has the ceiling uh they are literally scheming him as if he's travis kelsey and as we know logan, <laughs> yeah, Tom yeah. logan thomas isn't here for a long time but he's here for a good time whenever he's available <laughs> uh when he in games he hasn't been injured in or returning for which is two he led the commanders in targets in both games 27 and a half percent target yeah. share in week one last week on thursday night 22 percent of the team's targets and it's an easier matchup than last week, believe it or not. The Falcons have allowed the third most points per game to opposing tight ends. So I, I'm eating like this 12 to 15% chalk because Logan Thomas, like literally at salary, is the best play on the board. We did get a, a, a Cade Rotten in the comments. So uh, there <laughs> you go. Shakes his head. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I mean, I don't have much pushback. It's just like, what, a, what a state of affairs that we're, yeah. we're happily playing Logan Thomas chalk. Like, what's uh, happened? As a, as a top a, five play. Yeah. 
It is a beautiful thing um, on both sides from a cash game perspective. If you're going to play a pass catcher from the Jaguars, Evan Ingram is coming in uh, quite significantly lower salary than both Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley. He is one of four players with eight or more ta- uh, targets in the last four games. So uh, there is some volume there. You're getting him cheap. Um, I mean, tight end is, is just gross. Um, he's not like dirt cheap. So if you want to pump more, it's fine, but he is our top value at tight end on both sites. Uh, DSTs you guys like Corinne? Uh, I liked your Falcons call a lot, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Colts. Um, the Falcons are they're Ooh, expensive enough that I'm gonna have trouble getting there. I think the yeah. Colts aren't cheap, but I I like the idea of playing the DST against the cash game quarterback against these plays that I'm not super psyched about these Jaguars. Yeah. Plus, I think the Colts have a good pass rush. Um. They just they got lit up by the Jaguars in week one, so no one will want to go there. Um, and you know you're going to get passing attempts against. So, you know, that's that's how we score fantasy points on defense. And Lawrence has made some big mistakes throughout his career. Like he's a little bit of a boom bust quarterback. So just hoping there's some there's some bust this week. Throw a pick six, Lawrence. You know? Yeah. I know. I asked you guys earlier how we get unique in this game, and the most obvious answer was just the defense plays good, and I didn't think about it. So I mean, yeah, there, there it is. There's, there's four, four chalky players knocked out by one, uh, in one fell swoop with the DST. So I, I like that call actually. Um, Daigle, every, you know, this is the preview to everybody's favorite Discord question: Who's Daigle's defense this week? Well, slowly the favorite Discord question is becoming: Who is the Little Caesars lock of the week? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. As, as the chat has taken that pizza, role pizza. on. But uh, but the not the pizza pizza lock of the week, like dude, the Vikings just lost Justin Jefferson. Of course, the bottom no. can fall out. And here are the Bears in a sloppy game, yeah. the second lowest price of any defense. We already talked about how they have a good run defense. Like, just play the Bears. Just suck it up. Play oh, yeah, Tony Foreman and correlate them with the Bears. Yeah, and they're they're the awesome thing is they're a punt defense. So I actually just like punting with the Bears on both sides. Thirty two hundred Fanduel, twenty five hundred DK. We only have 12 attempts for Kirk Cousins last year without Justin Jefferson on the field. So, like, take this however the hell you want to. But he he averaged 5.8 yards per attempt with a 58% completion rate. Like, it they lost the offensive player of the year. Sometimes it's that simple. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm rolling with the Bears in cash as well. Um, lots of work to do this week. Obviously, a lot of news today. So um, ownership projections will obviously get a big update tomorrow through Sunday morning. Uh, so make sure you are tuned in and dialed into everything going on throughout the weekend. Um, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating and review. It is the easiest way to give back to the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed. Make sure you sign up for those notifications. Make sure you like this video. Um, as a reminder, in the YouTube description, we have links um, to sign Sign up for all of our uh, specials. We have that promo code. YouTube saves you 25% off the 4 for 4 subscription. Have a link to upgrade to the Solver Optimizer. And, of course, a link to uh, Legendary Upside, where Karain is giving that wonderful walkthrough that we talk about every week, as well as a bunch of other content weekly. Karain, uh, remind everybody what you got going on at Legendary Upside right now. Yeah, legendaryupside.com. Um, you can get uh, a narrated version of the article, which is a game-by-game preview on the Legendary Upside podcast. I do a free preview of the narration. Uh, premium subscribers get a uh, private podcast feed, um, and you list, can listen to the whole thing. Um, 
And yeah, Josh Jacobs, who I didn't really mention on the show, is, is the cover boy this week. I think he's set up for potential revival game where some of the efficiency that he's flashing as a receiver might actually translate to rushing efficiency for like the first time all year in a matchup the Raiders should control. So if you want to read more about that, head over to legendaryupside.com and sign up. Yeah, and if you guys want um, more of us, you can obviously get all uh, of what we're doing on X slash Twitter. Corain is at Pat Corain. Legendary Upside is at Legendary Upside. Daigle at not J Daigle. Four from four is at four from four football. I'm at TJ Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys Sunday morning in the four from four DFS Discord.